So, you're looking for something different. Well, you found it. Right here with expat entrepreneur Jewel Daniels. Pushing boundaries on the solopreneur journey, where we're all about learning to build beyond just business. Let's get it. Hey, it's so nice to be with you today on the solopreneur journey. I'm Jewel Daniels, head of Daniels Communications Global, a leadership development firm that specializes in executive coaching, cultural competency, and of course, developing the best in you. I'm also the author of four books with my latest being Three Sides of Every Crisis. It's a really important book that talks about how do you find opportunities in the midst of a crisis by learning to adjust your perspective and to pivot. And that's what we're going to dive into here on the Solopreneur Journey. This show is all about reaching out to those who are single, shingle, one-person enterprises that are starting at the starting line, but are running the race towards something spectacular. That's why we say it's all about building beyond just business, because building a business, being a solopreneur, transitioning to an entrepreneur, and becoming a business owner means that you have to practice everything from being a good leader, to understanding how to collaborate, price your goods and services, and even practicing excellent emotional intelligence. So that sounds like a lot. It's going to be so good. So this is what we do. We invite entrepreneurs to come on our show to share their stories, to talk about how they're getting through this crisis. And then we also invite those who are doing exceptionally well, who have built their businesses from being a solopreneur to something extraordinary that can benefit you. So come on, take the ride. Here we go. Hello. Hey, Jewel. How are you doing today? I'm doing super fantastic. I love your board. That background is exciting. Well, this is at our co-working space. I'm not actually there today, but that is the background. It's from our co-working space. I absolutely love it. It's exciting, and it just immediately caught my attention. (laughs) I like yours, too. Are you into music? I love music. So, of course, I'm here in Jamaica. I'm in Montego Bay, Jamaica, and I have a mix of Caribbean and American roots. My mother's American and my father's family is West Indian. And, you know, we love music. It's it's our lifeline. It's what keeps us happy, keeps us growing. It helps us celebrate it. It, it pushes us through sometimes to be sad when we lost a, lo- a love, got your heart broken. So music is our everything. Yay. Love that. <laughs> I'm excited to connect with you in this kind of way. And I'm excited to talk with you too and see what you have to say and your questions. I know you've been at this for like 20 years, I think, right? In some ways, this is a new program for you, but you've been in communications for a long time. Yes. So this has been a journey for 20 plus years for me. Um, I actually started my business because I was a uh, army wife. I was a wife of an army engineer, my college sweetheart. And I was excited about the fact that we got to travel. I went and did my graduate work in Seoul, South Korea. And then he said, okay, we have our next duty assignment, Hinesville, Georgia. 
that. <laughs> and that's when I had the reality check that I was going to have to do something that I could own myself, that I could carry with me no matter where we were, where we, you know, landed. And that planted the seed after some years, of course, working in corporate America and the newsrooms and, and even in um, colleges and universities. So, yeah, it's been, I can't believe it's been over 20 years, but yes, it has That's been. That's cool. But this, yeah. this particular thing is a new venture for you within your communications organization. So how does all that fit together? So for me, it fits together because um, I've written my fourth book. The fourth book, the most recent book I wrote is called Three Sides of Every Crisis. And it was, it is focused on helping businesses and individuals, professionals understand that in the midst of every crisis, there is an opportunity. And, and if you're paying attention, you learn to pivot, you, you learn to adjust your perspective, you can find something, you know, rich in that formula. Well, in speaking engagements and such, I've come across a lot of solopreneurs because they knew about my last book, which um, talks about solopreneurship and collaboration. And they had this great interest in how does that work for me? And because the book, um, you know, speaks to the broader audience of mid to larger size companies, I said, you know, this would be a great opportunity to speak to solopreneurs because in, in this crisis, you see a lot of one person enterprises, single shingle um, enterprises popping up. And so I thought it would be really good time to give voice to that audience and to talk to them about how do they make it through this crisis and build beyond just business. Mm -hmm. Sounds like it makes sense. Oh, I don't know. Do you believe it? You said sounds like. Is that affirmation or I still have questions? <laughs> so it, it makes sense. The sounds like is, I don't know. It's, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, I definitely see logic in it. And I love what you talked about with your book on crisis because I see that all the time. Matter of fact, I was talking to uh, someone last night about how people view things through a different lens. And some people see exactly the same different situation. Somebody will see it as, oh, woe is me, it's a challenge. Somebody else will see it as, this is the most amazing opportunity ever. Yes. <laughs> you know, it's exactly the yes. same thing, but perception so matters in this situation. It, it does. And for all the years that I have been doing leadership development, I often share with people that perception is reality because it's what that person is holding on to to make their decisions, you know, on how they view you, how they're going to interact with you. And so perception becomes their reality, whether it's in business or your, or your personal life. Um, so think about it. Have you ever gone somewhere with someone that you love, you know, you're in a relationship with, and perhaps it's a party or a function or a concert, and something happens at that event, and when you have the conversation about it, it starts sounding the same. But the more you talk, they got and look at something that you didn't quite see. And you say, well, you know, I, I didn't see it like that. I missed that. <laughs> yep, it's it's so true. I mean, I, I do this. I don't know if you ever heard of landmark uh, communications or landmark education. But they do this exercise in one of their programs where they say, you know, like, 
you know, what do you see? And you tell me what you see, right? Well, I'm looking at a different side, so I see something totally different. Right? <laughs> I love it. But we're both looking at exactly the same thing, but even in that same situation, you know, and it may be that there is a different thing that's happening for each person because we have our own life filters, right? We have our own life experience and that, you know, that makes a difference in how we view something. So, yeah. You, you nailed it right there. Those filters have everything to do with it. It has everything to do with it. So tell me, tell me about you. Um, when you meet someone, how do you describe who you are and what you do in your business? Uh, so I'm David Wagstaff. I'm founder and chief dream maker of ePrins. I'm chief dream maker because we help your dreams come true. I have the best job in the world. No kidding. I help entrepreneurs live their dream. And it is so much fun. I absolutely love it. We are on a mission to make a meaningful difference to 100,000 entrepreneurs by May 2024. That was five years when we started. Now we've got four years left. And we will reach the 100,000. So that's not our big challenge. We have 88,000 members in our group right now. But the bigger challenge is how do we make a meaningful difference for people? And we're not only about making a difference, but we want to make a difference regardless of someone's ability to pay, regardless of where they sit around the globe, you know, whether they're in, I don't know, Nigeria or India or Australia or New York City, doesn't matter. We want to make that meaningful difference for them. And yeah. like, no kidding, that's what we're about, whether they're a man, woman, non-binary, whether they're, it doesn't matter their situation, whether they're in a caste system in India, not in the right caste or whatever, or whether they're a billionaire son or daughter, doesn't matter. We wanna help them succeed in reaching their entrepreneurial goals because that's our mission. And it absolutely does light me up. I love it. This I can our- see it in your face. <laughs> I can see it like there's so much Joy, you, you have me sitting here getting excited all about it with you. And I'm like, my mind is saying, wow, how does he do that? How do you make that happen? And is this something that found you? Did, did this dream, this this mission find you or did it, did you find it? Where did this come from? Yeah, so there's a little bit of all of the above, right? So there's always a bit of fortune and luck in life. And uh So, you know, I was an entrepreneur just like, you know, most other kids or many other kids when I was young, you know, had a lemonade stand, you know, when I was like eight years old, you know, is that's where it started, right? (laughs) The lemonade stand. I love that story. (laughs) Exactly. And I happened to live on a busy street. So my lemonade stand did really well, you know. So, again, there's a bit of fortune in that. Had I been in a back neighborhood where there wasn't where there weren't any cars going by, it might not have been the same thing. And then one day uh, we lived with a family from India and the man worked at a 7-Eleven. I don't know if you know that, but it's a convenience store, what a 7-Eleven is. But it's a convenience store in the United States. And this person brought home boxes, big boxes of candy because the store had rejected them because they were getting old or something. You know, there was some dysfunction with them. I don't remember all the details of that. 
but we had these huge boxes we couldn't eat, even though I had a huge sweet tooth, right? I mean, I could eat like a box of candy, but not <laughs> the enormous boxes. And somehow along the way, I started giving it away at school. Well, that turned into a business that ended up being quite successful, so successful. The principal of the school said, hey, you've got to stop. <laughs> and actually, You're kidding. It gets worse because they accused me of stealing, which I wasn't doing at all. But because I've had so much success with the free candy, I ended up getting a big audience that wanted candy. So I went to the grocery store and negotiated discounts. Then I went to the ice cream truck and negotiated a bigger discount. Other people tried to get into the business, but I had such good discounts, they weren't able to compete. And so the principal <laughs> thought I was, you know, but I wasn't at all. <laughs> so anyway, you know, you asked how did it all start? You know, are those opportunities that found me? They kind of are. This particular thing on ePrints, similar types of things, right? You know, luck happens in life that generates where we are. So what happened for me was I saw LinkedIn as a big opportunity, I don't know, more than 10 years ago, 12, 13 years ago, 14 years ago when it was starting. And I built an alumni group for an organization I was part of a bank, and it grew to 10,000 members fairly quickly. And I was like, wow, that's amazing. You know, I set up this group and 10,000 people joined. It might have taken six, nine months or something. And then I had always had this passion for entrepreneurship because of the lemonade stand, selling candy, you know, other things along the way. I earned an MBA with a, you know, concentration on new venture creation. And so oh, wow. I set up a group for entrepreneurs. I wasn't working with entrepreneurs, but I set up a group on LinkedIn because I had this passion for entrepreneurship. So that's all part of where it began. And that group grew to 10 members, 100 members, 1,000 members, 10,000 members. And two years ago, it was about 45,000 members. And I had a startup that I was running at the time that had been uh, somewhat angel-backed, a lot of bootstrapping as well. And I knew that business was probably going to go away, even though we had successes with it. So I started thinking about what was it that I was going to do next? And I always had this passion for entrepreneurship and I thought I'd give back when I retired. But I thought, you know, instead of waiting till I retire, why not merge my passion for entrepreneurship and turn it into a business that makes a difference for people? And so that's wow. really long story. <laughs> so that's beautiful though. Thanks. So that's a bit of my that's journey. A beautiful so give me an example of Something that you've been able to do to help entrepreneur. Yeah, I could probably read you five stories from today. <laughs> Literally, I was sharing with my team stories of people that sent me thank yous today or my team thank yous for things that have happened. And it does take a team. Uh, takes a village, right, as they say. So yeah. I'll give you an example of one person I'm super excited about helping. Uh, this young man is in India, and I won't say his name because I'm going to give away a little bit of his story, and I, I haven't asked him if it was okay, but I'm sure he'd be okay with it. And he started attending our open groups, which are free for anyone to attend. You know, you stop by, we, we say the karma business model. Karma business model means that you pay what works for you. It can be nothing. And if you just sold a business for 10 million, you can pay 10,000 to attend the same meeting if you want, you know, it's the generosity model. So you choose what you pay. Anyway, so this young man was attending that. And 
I really loved his vision. He wanted to make a difference in the world, and he wanted to make a difference for people in the world that found it difficult to take care of themselves, people that were hearing impaired, mm. visually impaired, and had other challenges, life challenges. Maybe they had just emigrated from another war-torn country. Oh, that guy's, you know, he's got a beautiful heart. I would love to help him. I actually had a brother who was severely and profoundly handicapped and completely uh, blind, visually impaired. So I loved what this guy was about in the world. And he gave us the opportunity to support him through one of our premier programs in reaching his vision. Uh, So we're still early days with it. But for him to do that, he needed a stable job. And he's an engineer. He builds wind turbines and, you know, engineers designs wind turbines and automotive parts. He's a very, very talented engineer. But because the cost of living in India is such that his income was quite low compared to where I believe it should be from a, you know, an American standard. And we were able to develop all kinds of ways to support him. And he has been so happy and so grateful. So we're working on both his long-term vision for this community, for people who can use a little extra help, right? They call it uh, homages there, uh, kind of like a home. For what do they call it? Can you repeat that? I think it's called homage. I might be pronouncing it wrong, but I think that's right. It's like, instead of like, I would call it maybe like a little village or something, or, you know, a house for people to live in. Uh, but they're calling it like a homage and it's a place for people to live that he can help support them as his vision in a unique and meaningful way. So we're helping him to paint that picture in a really, really meaningful way so that it becomes real for him and it becomes real in the world as well. Right. So like, you know, how many people, how big is the house, who's going to fund it, things like that. Right. And what's the ongoing funding source? But at the same time, we're also helping him with the here and now so that he has extra resources available to accomplish the long term social, you know, impact kind of a a business that he wants to have. So I love that. I'm sorry. Go right ahead. So when you say help them, uh, because I imagine he's a solopreneur, he's starting out um, independently just, just as he begins. What are some of the things that you helped him to understand about starting a business journey where you have to connect with other people? And I don't want to put words in your mouth, but what were some of the things that you did? Give me one or two examples. Okay, so two things, again, we're doing in parallel just to kind of make it clear. So we're helping him with his personal income now by way of cleaning up his resume making it really, really, you know, nice, professional. He has the experience. We're just kind of making it look the way that will help him get a job that'll pay five or 10 times what he's earning now, ideally, hopefully. We are also setting him up as a freelancer to do engineering design, again, his background, mechanical design, so that he can do those things at a rate that is, again, five or 10 times what he's currently earning, right? Because those give him a foundation of financial support. So he doesn't have to worry about how he's going to feed his family or take care of his mom because he has the financial wherewithal to do that. So that's the foundational piece that we've been working on a lot, you know, LinkedIn profile, resume, freelance websites, all of those things. Then the other piece is helping to paint the journey of where he's going. 
So at first it was kind of like a rough idea, right? So he's been kind of thinking about it for maybe three or four years, but he wasn't really sure where to get started. So one of the starting points is make sure you have a clear picture of where you're going. There's a uh, Alice Carroll, am I saying that right? Alice in Wonderland, sorry, I'm mixing the things. Uh, a quote, if you don't know where you're going, any road will get you there. That's right. So, a really good starting spot for an entrepreneur is be really clear where you're going. So we've helped him get really clear on that. And he put together a beautiful thing this week, really kind of documenting what's there for him. And that lights him up. And, you know, it's very, very exciting for him because he begins to see, he wrote us in the past, uh, you know, seven days. I believe my dream is going to come true now. And that's, oh, that's, <laughs> so awesome. that, that's absolutely lovely. It really so is. from your days of um yeah i can see how excited you are about it i mean that that's one of the i think the most imp impactful parts of being an um being an entrepreneur is the impact that you can have on people's lives whether it is by way of your business helping people change the trajectory of their lives as they have stability or a good income or a good work environment or um, just helping people to broaden their understanding of their possibilities, you know, um, and how to use their gifts and their talents. So from your lemonade stand days to now running this enterprise, what was your biggest misconception about running a business and how did you overcome it? Uh, so one of the interesting things on that is I think, you know, I, I worked in the corporate world a lot. Now, I worked in helping big businesses perform better. So that was my background, right? Mm -hmm. And you kind of know what things you're able to do and not. But when you start out as an entrepreneur, you get really, really clear mm -hmm. on your own personal limitations. Those things you can do well, you know, help you move forward. But there's so many different things you need to be good at. It's one of the reasons why I love entrepreneurship, right? Because it tests everything. So, you know, like, hey, you know, if I don't know marketing, I better learn it, you know, or if I don't know how to. <laughs> that you know, is so website, true. Yeah, yeah, we built a website and yet nobody showed up on the website. It's like, well, why not? We built a website this many years ago. And it's like, oh, SEO, we have to figure out how to turn it on so the search engine can basically find it. So there's just everything and you yes. it on your leadership skills and everything else. And so I love that aspect. And that was a bit of a surprise. How many things I really didn't know and how many things I wasn't great at that I really needed support with. And that's where teams come in, team members come in whether they're employees or contractors or just advisors that are helping you or even friends. So, yeah. yeah. I love that you said that because that's why we build beyond just business because entrepreneurs, solopreneurs need to understand that, you know, running a, running a business is about collaboration. It's about strengthening your EQ, your emotional intelligence skills, so that you understand not just you and how you respond to things, but you have this level of sensitivity and empathy for the people who you're dealing with and how they respond and be able to make those adjustments. Because all of those are critical components 
of being able to be successful in your business. It's not just that you can negotiate the best deal, you can close that deal, but if you treat people like crap, there will be no more deal. Totally agree with you on that. Yeah, that's it's part of why I'm so excited about this whole business is it's really supporting other people in succeeding. And that's why I say my job's the best in the world, because that's what we're doing is we're helping other people to succeed. And it just feels so good when you can help someone else. So and when they succeed, yeah. we're succeeding. Good. Yeah. You're right. So in this particular climate, because this is COVID-19, um, the, the very nature of being an entrepreneur, like you said, test every skill you have, skill you thought you had, you know, had um, skills you discovered that you, you have and didn't know they were you know, tucked away some, somewhere. And so this crisis is different, you know, and it's different in this kind of a way. Businesses always encounter uh, peaks and valleys, and there's always going to be a crisis that you hit at some point in time. But this pandemic is global. You know, unlike the mortgage crisis in the United States, while it impacted others, it was it was very centrally focused in the United States because it was the housing market there. This one is something that has just rippled around the world. So I'm curious to know, how have you in your particular setting been able to pivot uh, in this climate? So, you know, COVID and the coronavirus obviously been terrible in so many ways for the world and for people. But I think like, you know, you talk about in your book and the crisis that there can be things that are you know, a lot of it's the perception of how you view things, not that, you know, like if you're, you know, mother or son or someone has COVID, that's not a perception thing, right? You've got to deal with that reality. But from a business perspective, it can be the biggest opportunity ever. For us, as I talked about early, like good fortune of living on a busy street when I grew up having my lemonade stand. This, from a business perspective, has amplified our business uh, in really meaningful ways. So we were growing by about 500 members a month uh, throughout most of last year on our LinkedIn group. And our website was growing by about 125 members a month. This year, we've grown by three, 4,000 members a month on LinkedIn. And we've grown by three to 400 wow. members. Yeah, so we've grown by over 25,000 members year to date. So, so that's, it's been that's really great, but we're also an early stage business. So it also creates challenges. So because we were- You know, that was my next question. <laughs> okay, go ahead. How do you manage, you know, that's a tricky thing about a crisis, isn't it? It's, it's, it's this explosion that has happened for you. How do you manage that? Yeah, so it's it it it's definitely been fortunate from the business side. And so part of the challenge has been getting people on quickly enough to help support us. So we currently have like three open positions. And you know, while we've had this amazing, extraordinary feedback like this week that again does just, you know, 
makes me feel so happy on what I've chosen to do. We also had negative feedback this morning from someone that said, you know, I was, you know, thinking about, you know, using your platform, but the user experience isn't to the level I think it should be. And so therefore, I'm not really that interested. <laughs> and it's like, yikes, that hurts, <laughs> you know. Yeah, and so, yeah. so we're trying to solve all these things really, really quickly, but our growth has been much faster than we expected. So everything becomes urgent and all year long it's been urgent. And yet you also have to take care of the team. You can't say work seven days a week, you know, 12 hours a day because they will burn out and they won't uh, be able to sustain. So we've been onboarding people is what we've been doing, bringing people on to help and expanding our team. Um, but there's also the mythical man year where, you know, you can't always just or person year, I really should say, where you can't just put more people at it. And so we're yeah. doing the best we can and we ask for patience from our customers and members, you know, hey, if we don't get it right, you know, understand we're a startup too. And we're doing yeah. the very best we can and we are here to help you succeed. So be patient with us if we don't get everything exactly right. You know, what you said, just what you said right there, for me as a customer, means so much more than someone trying to throw false answers at me or divert my attention or you know sometimes especially when you're calling into um and forgive me for this my call center people because i used to work in a captive but sometimes when you call into this pod there is this lack of empathy that comes across, uh, and we didn't have that at Vistaprint. Vistaprint is great because we, you know, we train our people properly because that's what I've done for a living. <laughs> but there's this lack of empathy that when they question you, they start questioning you like you've done something wrong. Um, I was sending a package out just the other day through a carrier who will remain unnamed, but I'm sending the package out and I'm telling them the package didn't get picked up. And the woman says to me, well, do you have a shipping label? I said, yes, ma'am. Well, I just gave you the shipping label um, you know, number. Do you have a confirmation code? So it's all that accusatory mm -hmm. versus taking ownership. And I think that's a great lesson for solopreneurs is that when you get it wrong, own it because very often people just want you to own it and your customers will connect with you because they realize you're not perfect, but you're still working on it. I, I so agree with you. What I say, even on some of our meetings, like we do these lead connect meetings and mentorship. And, you know, I say, you know, look, it's awesome to hear wonderful feedback. I love it. But when you tell us something that we didn't do right, we can learn and get better. So I really yeah. appreciate that. We had a member who was really active and referring people to us. This is a few months ago. And she said, here's what hasn't worked for me, this, this, and this. And it, it seemed like, you know, complaints and it could easily have been read that way. And instead, I wrote her back a note and offered her a free year of our premiere thing. And I said, I so appreciate that you took the time to tell us these things that we aren't doing the way that we should, the way that you're expecting as a member. And you're right, you know, these are things that we're messing up on. And so, you know, thank you for taking that time. And how can we support you in reaching your dreams? 
So that's phenomenal. To me, that's a game changer. And um, what are your thoughts on the critical role that plays with solopreneurs in, in particular? And, and what I mean by that is when you're smaller, it's harder to hide. Mm-hmm. Right? So, make so sure. that authenticity. I might need to get that question again. I'm not sure I totally got it. The video is slightly. Sure. Um, your thoughts on how 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 does that impact a, a single shingle a solopreneur enterprise versus a large corporation? Because um, my thoughts are when you're smaller, it's harder to hide because you you know you are so dependent and so connected to your customers because you're still scaling. When you're large and huge, you know, like a Comcast or, or whatever, if, if you lose 400 customers, that's a big loss. Don't get me wrong, but you're losing 400 in, in a stream of 4 million, uh, perhaps. But when you're smaller, that authenticity carries even more weight, I guess, is what I'm asking your opinion on. Yeah. So in some ways, again, it's like, you know, what you talk about in your book, right? that there's the perception. And in some ways, by being a solopreneur, you have a real opportunity because you're talking to your customers every single day and you have that feedback. And so there's an opportunity to see it right away, see what's happening. And if there's something that isn't going right, you can get on top of it right away. You can talk to the customer. You know, if you're a big company, senior executives are so far removed most of the time Uh, from the customer from the customer i love what ing direct i don't know if you ever heard of them but they were yes i actually am a customer (laughs) Uh, cool okay so they they had a high flying time in the u.s for a while and one of the things i love they did when when they started their company (laughs) is they had the executives be on the customer service calls i think it was four hours every week (laughs) They had to be there and listen to what the customers were calling in about. And I thought that was genius. You know, it's like, yes. even though you're a high powered executive, you should be listening to what the customers have to say. I love that. And I so appreciate you talking about my book, Three Sides of Every Crisis, because I think it is so important that solopreneurs understand that there's information in there that can help you. I think that I love to talk to Uh, entrepreneurs about is this theory of how to go to market. And I talk about the strategy of red oceans versus blue oceans and fast seconds. And those are nice, fancy terminologies, and they may seem like they're big business theories, but really what it means is exactly what it says. Red means warning, warning, (laughs) you know, those are those shark infested waters where there's a lot of competition. Um, blue oceans means like, you know, hey, it's wide open. You can swim. They're great opportunity. You don't have as much, you know, competition in that space. And fast second means between the two, I want to go into this particular industry. I want to go into this line of business. But let me lean back, watch what my competitors do, and then learn from their, their um, success and their mistakes and then into the market and try to find myself a niche. Mm-hmm. So given those examples, how do you feel your business um, places itself in, in its services and you know, in terms of aligning or looking at your, your competitors? 
So it's it's interesting because we have, you know, I don't know, uh, lively debates internally as a team in, in a really good way about, you know, who are our competitors? What business are we in? Now, that's the most fundamental question you can ask. Maybe I shouldn't even say on a podcast, we might not know what business we're in. Right? <laughs> crazy? How can you not know what business you're in, right? And we're in the business of making people's dreams come true, for sure, entrepreneurial dreams. But it can be viewed a lot of different ways. So I'm maybe going sideways with your question. But are we in the advertising business? You know, are we in the mentoring and teaching business? Are we in the content business? Are we a publisher, right? Is entrepreneur.com our competitor? Or is it a company like Vistage, which works with CEOs of mid-sized companies and charges them, you know, over $10,000 a year to work with them? Uh, mm -hmm. So we, we internally debate that, right? Which business are we in? And how do we view our business? But I think those are all things that you should be looking at as an entrepreneur, you know, making sure you are understanding who your competitors are. We, uh, we don't like wait and see what competitors are doing. That's not our style. We really look at what is it that customers want. And I talk a lot when we do mentorship about a book called Talking to Humans. I don't know if you've read it or not. Mm, I've heard it, but I haven't read it, but I have heard that title. I thought it was very interesting. It really is. It's, it's really what it says is when you're starting your business, you don't ask people, should I do this business? What do you think about this business I'm going to have? And because people will want to encourage you. That's human nature. So they'll say, yep, keep going, run off that cliff, right? <clears throat> you know, they won't give you the feedback you need. And what you actually need to hear is who are the competitors, right? So you ask the person instead, how do you solve this problem? Rather than should I be going into an IT business or whatever? You say, how do you solve a problem today? And that's the one you're working on. So that's how I approach it versus what are the competitors I like doing? Uh, I, I kind of believe like if we just follow the competitors, it's not the best strategy. And we are kind of, you know, weaving our own path. At least that's what we try to do. I like that you said that because even in my organization, uh, when people come to us with, com with, with information about competitors or someone who's coming to our space, I always say we are our biggest competitor because it's always about us being able to lift the bar and exceed our own expectations to over deliver on what we you know, do with our, with our clients. And um, for us, what makes us distinctive um, at Daniels Communications is that we really focus a lot of attention on the, the relationship that we have with our clients. And uh, I often say that relationships is, are the new currency of business because when people have this formed sense of connectivity with you or connection with you and sense of knowing where you come from and, and, and what your uh, business value add is and if you're a good corporate citizen and how they can depend on you, then even when times are tough, they're still thinking about you. And when they come out of, let's say, this curve, <laughs> this broker, this, this crisis, your name rises uh, to, the, to the top. 
So what are some of the things that you have done in your business in this climate um, to keep your name present, to make your brand ever present in the minds of people who need what you offer? All right, so I think I'm gonna take a step back and just add one more thing to the previous question. Yeah, which is when you talk about competitors, it often has a negative connotation when people talk about it, not you specifically, right? And I view the world as a world of abundance, not a world of scarcity. So there are 400 to 500 million entrepreneurs around the world. Right. So you could take anyone who I mentioned might be a competitor, you know, uh, Entrepreneur Magazine. Yeah, there's not a world of scarcity. They can provide great content and we can provide great content. And if we're innovative, we may do so in different ways than they do it. Uh, and mm. there's different things that people are getting out of it. So then on to this question. Right. So how do we stay present in people's minds? I think the most important thing we do is we continue to try to deliver value for them. And I think what's most important in that is getting behind their dreams and aspirations. So it's not what we want to deliver to them. It's what is it that they can use to help them achieve their dreams. And again, I just totally love that what we're about is helping other people achieve what they want to achieve whether it's a, you know, a home for people that are hearing impaired or yeah. whether it's another client who's looking after 35 years in business at how does she exit her business and leave a legacy. So I, 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 I tell you, your enthusiasm just comes through in your voice. And it's beautiful that, you know, I, I, I just hear it. I feel it and the passion that you have for it. So that, that to me is also part of the success formula. I appreciate it. Thank you. I mean, I, I do feel it, as you can tell. <laughs> it is real. And again, my members, you know, the members of our organization, of our community, they're really the ones that give me that because they send me thank you notes or correction notes like, hey, we haven't done it quite right. And yeah. I really appreciate that. You know, we are a community. It's not about us individually providing the service. It's about connecting one entrepreneur to another so that they can each kind of help one another. So, so um, what what advice would you have to a um, a person who in this climate has been downsized, right? And they're looking for answers and they've been sitting on this dream for quite some time or been working at it. You know, they picked it up, they put it down, they picked it up. And now this is a time, as I say, it's all about perspective, finding the opportunity in the crisis. And they've decided that they're going to start this business. They're going to commit to it. What advice would you have for them as they decide to move forward? So, the first thing we've kind of talked about, which is get clear on where you're trying to go and then be flexible on how you get there at times. So you may have to pivot it a little bit, but be clear on the end goal. Is your goal to become a billionaire? Is your you know, goal to help people somewhere else in the world or in your own neighborhood, right? So what is your drive? What is your passion? That's a great spot to start from is just be really clear what you're trying to 
you know, cause in the world, right? And I can get behind someone who's trying to be a billionaire, and I can definitely get behind people who want to have a social impact or an environmental impact, right? Those are maybe easier for me in some ways, but I, I respect wherever people are trying to go. And so I think it's important to understand where they're trying to go. And then sometimes when we're doing mentorship, we try to understand what's beneath it, right? So say someone's goal is to be really rich. That probably isn't really their goal. That's just the goal they think it is. Because what are you going to do with a billion dollars anyway? You know, it's like you really want to be loved. And so you get underneath what it is, or you want respect, or you want your parents to be proud of you. You know, that's really what drives that, I think. So maybe somebody will correct me, and that's fine if that's wrong. But I don't think it's the money itself. You know, it's the, there's something else they're looking for, validation of who they are. And so we try to understand that. And I think that's important for the entrepreneur starting out to answer your question, to understand. And then I would say, you know, get people around you that can help you. On ePrins, we offer mentorship. So there's a little plug for it. We do it again, the generosity model. Yes. So we can do it That's for good. free. Uh, but, you know, it could be other people. When I started my first business, I found four or five of my friends that I really respected. And I asked them to meet with me every month. Now, they had no authority over me, right? But you know, they were friends. And therefore, I wanted to achieve. And so I reported out to them on how many phone calls I had made to prospects, what progress I was making in the business. And because I set up this panel of advisors, it helped me move forward because I knew I had to report out and I didn't want to look bad to my friends. Right? So, <laughs> so things like that can be useful. So mentorship, uh, people that are supportive, people that are looking and watching and maybe holding you accountable. I love that because those are your accountability partners. That's and right. when you build that circle, those are people who, who know you, know you well. And it, and in building that circle, what type of um, attributes would you say a solopreneur should be looking for? Meaning um, you want someone perhaps who's going to give you the constructive feedback and not just be a yes person. What other type of attributes should they be looking for in building that circle of accountability? So I think uh, it, there's like a little bit of balance. So you definitely want people who care about you and are there purely for your best interest, right? And like you said, they have to be willing to be honest with you. And you have to be careful with that because you could say, well, hey, should my spouse be on that or partner in life? And that can be tricky because, you know, they absolutely care about you, hopefully, and love you, but they also may be concerned about the risk and other things. So you might need a little bit of objectivity. So it might not be, you know, your mom or your dad or your brother or sister or spouse or partner in life because they may lack some of the objectivity and may may filter things through they already know you know whatever is going to happen for you so you mm -hmm. want someone who can support you someone who does care and the caring doesn't have to mean that it's your best buddy right like we do care about our members we really do as you can kind of get right. a sense right? right and our members tell us that you know that, that they can tell we care about what they're doing so you want people that are out for your best interest so I like I like that. 
I like that a lot. Uh, and one of the things you said earlier about people may say they want to um, make a million dollars, but indeed they may just want to to be cared for, recognized, acknowledged. Um, and that made me think about the fact that everyone defines success differently. Uh, everyone has a definition. And I, and I like to dabble with the difference between success versus greatness. So I'm curious to know from you, which one um, do you feel like you're reaching for, success or greatness? And how would you define the difference between the two? So I was thinking as you're asking the question, success or greatness. So personally, I don't need to be rich as my measuring uh, stick of success. If I tell people on my team all the time and other people that are in mentorship, if I make a meaningful difference for 100,000 people, that to me is the sweetest success I could possibly have, right? And I do believe the financial you know, ability to support myself will be there if we make a meaningful difference for 100,000 people. Even if many, many or most members never pay us a dime, you know, first, it will be incredibly satisfying. So that's success. But I also believe there will be people that will be paying, so it will be financially successful. And so I think the financial, even though actually my background is finance, I'm much more focused on making the difference than making a financial difference. Uh, so that's that's a bit of how I you know kind of view that. I don't know if that really fully answers your question. That's great. That yeah, I think that's great. I, it actually answered my question, and it also um, opened the door to something else, and that's legacy building. Uh, one of the questions I was going to ask you: What will be your legacy? And I think you answered it just there in, in impacting so many people to achieve their dreams and helping them along the way. Yeah, I, I definitely think that's a big drive. I will add one other piece of the legacy is my dream is a world where anyone can achieve, no matter, again, what their background, no matter whether they're you know, black, white, you know, brown, no matter where they sit around the globe, you know, we already talked about sexual identity, any of those, it doesn't matter. I want everyone to be able to achieve. And today the world is not always fair and it probably never will be always fair, but we want to create a more just world. Uh, maybe I shouldn't use the word more. We want to create a just world. Right? Uh. And so we want to give people the opportunity that they can achieve and we want to create a platform. And that would be an, an incredible legacy to leave if, I, if I'm I given the that. privilege to help that happen. Yeah. I, I, I absolutely love that. I, I hear you speaking of people want access and people just want opportunity. And I feel like when they have those two, they can handle the rest and your your goal, your legacy that you want to lead, leave and what you are currently working on is, is in the process of doing just that. So I thank you so very much for having this conversation with me. I've enjoyed it. Maybe I'll say one other thing. 
mind on that. Sorry, I can be long-winded on these things. but No, no, I love it. Please. A lot of times people don't know exactly where to get started or they're intimidated. And I think that's somewhere where we can help, right? Is say, look, we've done it before. You know, it's okay to try this and it's okay to try and it may change in two months or three months, but you're going to keep trying until you reach your dreams. So that's what we're about. I think that's a good point. That's, um, that's a very good point because when you start your business, sometimes in the evolution of growing it, new things come to the surface and you have to be open to um, tweaking and pivoting based on what you discover. And sometimes solopreneurs in particular struggle with that because it's like it's their child. You know, uh, I remember when I started off as a journalist, the first time I submitted my article to my editor and it came back with half the words, I was devastated. <laughs> <laughs> you know, because you feel like you pour your whole self into this and how could someone not see it for its full beauty as you see it uh, instead of saying, okay, I want to, it to be its best. So if that's what it takes for it to be its best and walking that journey and discovering those things along the way, it's really, it's really important. Well said. It's very important. Please tell our listeners um, more about how they can reach you, reach your organization and, and participate. Yeah, sure. Uh, so we're relatively, I hope, easy to find on the internet, uh, eprens.com. That's E-P-R-E-N-Z.com. We shortened the name from Entrepreneurs Network because we felt that ePrins was easier to spell and uh, shorter and easier to find, ultimately. So you can find us there. Uh, I will mention we have mentorship and lead groups so that you can you know, build your business. We are also on LinkedIn. Uh, LinkedIn has been a great platform for us, Entrepreneurs Network. And then it says Entrepreneurs Network equals ePrins.com. And you can find us there. And uh, you can also reach out. I'm on LinkedIn. I do get tons of messages, I have to say. So I, I definitely don't want to feel like I'm in an ivory tower where I'm too busy to get in touch with people. But I have to say, I get so many messages a day. It's really tough to get through them all. Uh, but feel free to reach out. I do try to respond to every single person individually. David, thank you. So, all right. It's been a lot of fun. Thank you for having me on the program. Yes, it's been wonderful having you here on the Solopreneur Journey. We appreciate your time. We appreciate all the gems that you have left our listeners with. And I know that it will be a great value add to them. So for all of our listeners, please make sure that you reach out, that you join, that you connect. It's been wonderful seeing you. And thank you for the work that you're doing through the podcast and through your book, The Three Sides of a Crisis. Really appreciate that. Thank you. You're welcome. Take care. Yep. Bye-bye. It's been another great time spent with you. Thanks for joining this episode of The Solopreneur Journey with expat entrepreneur Jewel Daniels, where we love being your ear candy. Let us hear from you by dropping a note at www.thesolopreneurjourney.net. Remember, you may be working on your single shingle enterprise, but you're not alone. See you next time when we push boundaries to build beyond just business.